Welcome to the Fabulous by Design podcast. I'm your host, Ivana Ivanik. This show inspires and empowers you to take the next step towards the life you can't stop thinking about. I am bringing in people from all over the world with authentic and inspiring stories. People who change their lives from good to better, from miserable to great, to turn tragedy into hope and start living their dream life on own terms. Grab your favorite note-taking device, lean back, and get inspired. I believe that everything you need to create a life of your dreams is already within you. Beautiful good morning to Colorado. I have the honor today speaking with Daniel Gospodarek. Daniel has suffered from a major accident, followed by a traumatic brain injury, Let's direct Daniel towards the profession he's doing today. We will in a moment hear much more about it. Welcome to the Fabulous by Design podcast, Daniel. Please give us a little bit of background of you and tell us who are you. Uh, thank you for having me, Ivan. I'm glad we could. I'm glad we finally connected for this. I'm excited. Yeah, as you, as you mentioned, so some of this background with this accident originally from Wisconsin, and that is actually where the auto accident happened. But grew up there, you know, rural community, farming, going to school, living life in the country. And then as I was in between my junior and senior year of high school, my friend and I were in a one-car rollover. And that led to, you know, this this life-altering traumatic brain injury. So from, from the rollover, I was knocked unconscious. And then I woke up three days later and I actually... I'd never gone through like a major time change before. So I actually, for some reason, thought I was in France. It was really bizarre. But um, then as soon as I started coming to, I realized kind of what 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 had happened. But essentially, I had a brain bleed on my left temporal lobe, which is one of the regions of the brain that holds a lot of memory, holds a lot of verbalization, speaking, auditory, kind of just those components of the brain that deal with those data samples as they come in. So, so they had to remove part of my skull, stop the bleed, put it back, put the skull back on. And then from the bleed to, I had a stroke in my left prefrontal cortex and then, or my prefrontal lobe and fractured my skull. And then my left lung was collapsed. So, um, yeah, from, from there, you know, it was just kind of like waking up in the ICU three days later not knowing exactly what had happened and then starting this process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You were at the age of 17, you mentioned. It was uh, a young boy who mm-hmm. had his entire life in front of him. People would say, what was the diagnosis? What was the future prediction from the doctors at that time? Mm-hmm. And TBIs are very complex, so traumatic brain injuries and it's interesting because sometimes somebody can experience a similar brain injury, but be highly affected versus somebody else can experience a similar injury and not have really any effects. So it's, it's complex to say the least. They did say that I probably wouldn't graduate high school with my cohort or my group that I started with. And they, you know, they kind of prepped my parents. They're like, we don't know if he's going to make it through the next 24 to 48 hours. We also don't know if he's gonna if he does make it through if he's gonna have to relearn how to talk because of that left temporal lobe um, damage or injury and then also relearn how to walk. So different, you know, many different things could have happened, 
but they were kind of prepping my my family for the worst and then also some of the long-term struggles that could have could have arisen mm -hmm. i understand so there was no prediction or uh, in the, at the time yeah. how did your journey continue really and how much saying or how much decision making came from your side you were 17 probably just as shocked as your family and parents and how mm -hmm. is my life gonna look like i think in the age of 17 we are just in in the process of finding ourselves who mm -hmm. we really yeah. are right what yeah. was your biggest fear at the time and how did you approach the path of recovery how did you decide it was this destiny yeah i'm i'm not sure you know destiny the universe god i think definitely put it in put it in my life for a reason i didn't know it at the time right <laughs> i was pretty i was pretty messed up and i i will say the first few days it was pretty pretty tough to start teasing some of those those higher level thoughts of how is this impacting and what is this going to mean for my life just because of the amount of medication I was on, things are pretty slow. But in terms of the recovery process, that was, you know, dictated by somewhat me and my family or my family and I, the doctors, and then also the insurance companies too, of how much they're going to pay for, you know, certain things. So it did 10 days in the ICU I told the doctors I would graduate with my high school class and I did. And then um, I started walking in the ICU with a, a wheelchair and then three nurses around me with um, it's a, it's called a gate belt, but it's like a belt that goes around your hips. That's very thick. So, so people can grab onto it if you start falling. And then I did seven days in inpatient rehab. And that's kind of where some of the stuff started setting in. Like it's going to be a long haul. So you know, two or three days or two or three sessions of physical therapy a day, one to two, maybe three, three of speech therapy sessions a day. And then some, we did, we did some occupational therapy for fine motor movement, but really a lot of it came down to just rest and fatigue is a huge part of, can be a huge part of traumatic brain injuries. So I was sleeping a lot and the nurses were also trying to push me to not sleep so that I could stay awake and sleep during the night and get that, get that circadian rhythm back. Mm -hmm. I understand. So the first weeks were in a hospital mm -hmm. after you went back home, how did your life continue? You said you graduated, right? I mean, it was like, mm -hmm. uh, do we speak about like six months recovery? So you regained your speech, you could walk and the capability to study for graduation. It's not just uh, the party in the end we celebrate, but there are exams involved. Yeah. Um, what inspired you, Daniel? Where did you got the strength from, mm -hmm. the energy? What mm -hmm. was your uh, North Star? Yeah, I, that's a good question. I think realizing and growing up in the w area of Wisconsin, and I know there are probably similar areas throughout other states or even in Wisconsin, but that nobody was going to do this for me. So I could, I could allow this, 
this incident, this traumatic incident, TBI, whatever, however we want to reference it to define my life, or I can use it as a stepping stone. And I think that switched it from, I can't do anything to, yes, this happened to me. And how do I, how do I use this? Right. And I think those cognitive shifts are important when we are facing adversity because shit will happen all the time and some of it will be very very rough i mean Mm -hmm. cancer tbis right loss of a spouse random you know unforeseen and it will be painful and, and it still has its challenges right grief and loss identity shifts and acknowledging that and also continuing to move forward Mm -hmm. i hear you absolutely so i would say or i'm an ambassador i always like to say that we are carrying this within us like Mm -hmm. everything that is meant for us is already within it's Mm -hmm. just the matter of digging it up when we need it so we spoke when i speak about purpose when i speak about the things we are meant to do because they are desires in human beings they are there and the moment we drift off from the path we will feel that desire even more to be like oh my god i actually want to do something different i belong somewhere else what am i doing why i'm fitting in why 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 and the desire grows right and mm-hmm. that wisdom we have within and this wisdom will always direct us into a direction so you in a young age had some it showed already in your life that you said okay i can now just accept what happened to me and be mm-hmm. or I can make something out of it. And you said before in our earlier conversation that this paved your direction to what you are doing today. Yeah. Was this clear? Probably not from day one. When did, when did you start to listen to your inner wisdom and to take action on that? Mm -hmm. So it was around that seven days of inpatient rehab. I, I, I had this urge or feeling notion, whatever we want to call it, that I would land somewhere in that healthcare realm, right? Nurse, physical therapist, speech therapist, something. And then it actually was the one of the first few weeks I was back at home, the doctors were concerned that I could still develop seizures because I was so close to the traumatic brain injury date that I needed to be under or have, have an adult with me. 24 seven. So it wasn't until my sister came over and she's also a social worker. And she was like, you should check out this profession. And then it was that coupled with the volunteering opportunity that I did that really solidified, like, this is kind of where I want, this is, this is kind of where I want to be. And I say kind of, because I thought having my bachelor's in social work was going to do it. And then I realized I couldn't do what I wanted to do one-on-one work hospital settings and then that led to the masters in social work eventually. Mm-hmm. I understand. So it was a, I like that, what I experienced. I'm going to try this. Would you say that you found your purpose in the work you are doing today? Oh, yeah. Watching yeah. people heal. Yeah. It's, okay. It's okay. pretty inspiring to, to, to be that kind of, or foster that in people and then watch, watch all these different pieces shift in terms of inner self-talk or more compassionate self-talk 
being able to assert themselves in relationships that may be toxic, process past trauma. Mm-hmm. I mean, those pieces are those pieces are huge to watch, and it's fun. Like it's it's really exciting to be a part of, right? Absolutely, yeah. So people say, or the world says that once you find your purpose, you will never work again a day in your life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> is that so? Yeah. I mean, I understand that purpose is it's a drive. If you found something that re- you really enjoy and that sparks you every day in and out, it is easier to get out of bed. At least for me, how is that for you? Yeah, I think I think it definitely that I I think whenever we're aligned with our values, and and this is pulling from, I'm not sure if you've ever heard of Viktor Frankl. Yeah. He has a, he has a book, a man's search for meaning. And then also I'm one of the therapy modalities that I really enjoy working in is acceptance and commitment therapy. And one of those pillars is values. So, and essentially those, those two data points act. And then Victor Frankl's book, right. Kind of come together to say like, when we are living out our values, no matter the adversity that shows up our values can keep us going through that darkness, through that mist, whatever it is, right? If it's recovery, if it's business, if it's entrepreneurship, right? And and keeping those values of, right, family, making a difference, positive impacts, helping people heal, that that just kind of keeps it moving and, and a few cups of coffee, so. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So tapping in and sticking to your values and operating from the space of your own values, is this what you would say is like to be seen as a toolkit that mm-hmm. helps us whenever adversity or anything that happens in life, because as you said, yeah. shit happens all the time. I think mm-hmm. life is, this is life, right? It is here yeah. to be lived. Things will happen. So is this the toolkit you use, the value Mm-hmm. stepping back into that and how can we do that so i think highlighting values and how they're different than goals right values mm-hmm. especially from acceptance and commitment therapies perspective values are never complete there are something that are ongoing and goals make up those values right so for example if you have the value of health right working out every day or four times a week or three times a week might be your goal that supports that value. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's never done. Even when the new year starts, even when the month ends and a new month starts. Right. Or even, even if you get injured, right. There's most likely those, those folks at home that will still do stretching, right. Even though they're hurt. Right. Or, or do do, or maybe just dial it down to a different, a different kind of workout, right. That their body is able to doing like yoga or Pilates or something like that. So they just, so, so we just adjust to, to still pursue that value. Right. And I, I, and I think sometimes people struggle and I myself struggle too, and having the flexibility to, to pivot, to find those different avenues. Right. To yes. help people. Because so. we are stubborn. Humanity mm-hmm. is stubborn. And then we get yeah. used to something. And I love that you're bringing in the example of sports and health as a value, which is for me a very big personal value. I'm a former athlete. Mm-hmm. I suffered from an injury two years ago, which was probably very much uh, caused, as, caused as well by mental stress. Mm-hmm. And since I haven't found back 
my grit in running, going back into competitions, et cetera, et cetera. Everything is exhausting. Somewhat, you know, not very supported with aging either. I turned 35, everything started changing, and I'm still in the process of acknowledging that I probably or maybe never will be on that top where I came from. And in order to get somewhat close, I need to change the entire approach. However, the value does not change because it is still something that lives within me that is so important to me. And Mm. the adjustment makes it indeed. And I think it's a good magic trick to learn to have that ready in life and to be ready for those adjustments. So tell me, Daniel, how can we use adversity to, Mm. I don't know, to pursue our dreams and find purpose? I can only speak from my perspective of what ha- what I used, right? And I think we're, we're skipping over a lot and we can we can dial into some of it, but you know, it was 10 days at ICU, 7 days inpatient rehab, about another 6ish weeks, I want to say, or 5ish weeks of having, you know, an independent 17-year-old being observed by another adult, right? And then also then three months of physical therapy and then 17 months of speech therapy outpatient, right? And though there are, one of the big challenges I had was, and, and I'm sure this is the same for other people with TBIs, but after you have a TBI, you are easy, your head is so sensitive that you can get a lot of concussions very easily, right? And I had concussions post-concussions after that TBI that then impacted my sleep cycles, right? That then impacted, you know, I would I would go to bed at eight so I could fall asleep by 1030, right? Because I was wrestling internally with thoughts of not being able to fall asleep, right? To the point where I would just like, be like, is this how the rest of my life is going to be, right? And crying and then working through that in therapy, right? And, and I think it's that process over the outcome that builds that adversity, right? That builds that this this may not change, but maybe, or maybe it will in the future and being open to that. And it takes a lot of a lot of acceptance to get to that point. And it is very difficult. For me, it was long nights of just sitting up and reflecting, taking time in silence finally being able to work out again after I was, you know, cleared by the doctors to start. And those pieces then started to, again, pursue those values, which then helped alleviate other pressure that then I could kind of start calming down at night and falling Mm -hmm. asleep. Right. Mm -hmm. I understand. It is, I like what you said, the process over outcome. We are so outcome orientated mm-hmm. and i see this everywhere in business especially i've been there mm-hmm. done that didn't do me any good we see this in every project we start in life that we want to reach that goal as soon as possible mm-hmm. we are living in this driven society fast to get somewhere fast as quick as possible but no matter what it takes right we are even willing to give a lot and we don't even notice how much we give wherever I see when we manage to sit in stillness 
mm-hmm. when we manage to reflect that we get to that goal even quicker than true hustle. Right. So what advice could you give? Because I know getting into the state of stillness is not easy for anybody. It's not easy if we are going through struggle, adversity. It's not easy if we are in the hustle mode, if we mm-hmm. are, our stress level are just so high. What would you say an advice you could give us to find stillness, especially in these situations when we need it the most? I think there are, there are pieces that are just in nature or aspects to nature, right? Mm-hmm. That can help slow us down. So be it the woods, the mountains, the beach, rivers, right? Those are natural ways. And again, we are... Our society is, like you said, very outcome driven, right? Did you meet that quarterly goal? Did you meet, right? I mean, we we're seeing it right now, and in our in our society, in terms of inflation right now, right? Uh, is inflation decreasing, right? Is consumer spending decreasing, right? And these things is job job claims increase or jobless claims increasing, right? All these metrics that come out every month. Are and, we hitting the numbers? The question is, right. are we hitting the right. numbers? Yeah, right, and. And I think that, and I use that as an example of what then can we do to slow things down so that we are able to lean into discomfort? Mm-hmm. Is it putting our phone away before we go to bed, right? Is it going for a walk next to a stream in the city, right? Or waking up 15 minutes early, with that cup of tea or coffee, whatever it is, right? And finding those moments where we can reflect. And then through that reflection, we can also become very intentional mm-hmm. with what are those levers that we need to target that will have the biggest, maybe, 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 maybe a bigger bang for your buck in terms of outcome, but also bigger impacts, right? Bigger societal shifts or bigger, or maybe more quality time with the people you care about, right? Whatever those might be. Mm-hmm. but we can't we can't step back if we're just at that humming pace and we're just going 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 yeah it doesn't go anywhere in the end we will suffer more from it uh than we mm-hmm. actually gain and i'm always surprised to hear or maybe not even that surprised anymore to hear there is no magic pill there are these mm-hmm. simple things like give away your phone go mm-hmm. for a walk drink a glass of water so right. And we just don't believe in the simplicity of life anymore. And I think uh, when things get rough for whatever reason, dear listener, be reminded. You have Daniel here, a specialist, who just confirmed that that glass of water, that walk, that phone, whatever Mm -hmm. it is, might just shift the moment. It might not lead you to a goal, but looking at the bigger picture, it will help you definitely settle in with yourself and find a moment of stillness. And this is where the major shift happens. Mm-hmm. And if you just listen to this and you like the conversation, you think it's inspiring and there is someone you think needs to hear this, don't hesitate to share the episode. Comment below if you like listening to us. If you have any questions, reach out to Daniel. You will find everything in the show notes you need to connect with him. Don't be shy. The reason why we are here is to be approachable to you. And Daniel, I would love to go further into this conversation. I think we could 
talk forever and ever because yeah. still so much to say perhaps another time but i would like to mm -hmm. round up and ask you my most favorite question what mm -hmm. do people misunderstand the most about you that's a really good question <laughs> i think people misunderstand the larger values of why I do and I work I'm working right now so hard right because I'm gonna I'm gonna admit I'm very much in that hustle phase mm -hmm. of you know supporting a family building a business right and also too and that's why I use that word phase is I know that will come to an end soon mm -hmm. right and life is life is like those waves right can we just ride them and then still build in those moments where we can find that peace, that tranquility, whatever it might be. So I think sometimes people misunderstand, like, what is that larger picture of everything that I'm doing? Mm -hmm. It is the how easily we judge when we say, but he was just speaking, put mm -hmm. away your phone, but now he's sitting on his phone himself. But if you look at the larger picture, if there is any tension behind it, and there is awareness in that situation, it doesn't mm -hmm. mean that we always have to, you know, um, sit on co cozy pillows and be like, you know, in, in embedded in security all the time. But I think it's the bigger picture and the awareness we need to create in that situation. Is that what you're saying? Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. And what I thought uh, could be something where people might misunderstand. Have you ever been pitied for what happened to you? Because if humanity doesn't understand and we feel the discomfort with someone else's adversities, we tend to be extra careful with people who've been through something. Is that something you experience? Not, well, I mean, I definitely could have experienced and I just never noticed it, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's that's definitely possible. I, I do, I don't know if it, I don't think it was intentional pity. Mm -hmm. And I also say that I think sometimes people are surprised that I have sustained what, what I have sustained and I'm doing what I'm doing. And when I tell them that it's more of a shock. Right. And, and, and I, and I say that in a very like humble, humble way, because when I was an impatient and doing outpatient work, for my recovery i know that there are people there that had had injuries that did not recover to the point where i was right and i've done work with people one of those aspects is tbi work that i do in my clinic that do not get to that place right mm -hmm. and and i i think sometimes people have misconceptions that oh you have a tbi like you are going to have all these different challenges and sometimes people do and sometimes people don't and sometimes people do, but they fade over years or decades, right? And then I think that's something to keep, for people to keep in mind that even if somebody has a TBI, they're still very capable of, of finding quality of life, finding love, finding passion, and also executing. And it's almost like sometimes people too that have those challenges, especially adversity, they will execute and have a different quality of life that is at a different level than other people because of that adversity. Mm -hmm. because you are force. pushed out of this comfort it's not a mm -hmm. choice anymore right. Yeah. right absolutely i love this yeah one last word daniel sure what would you 
what message would you like to give us away from this conversation? Yeah. So very similar, right? Like adversity will show up. We cannot run from it. Mm-hmm. It will find us in various forms in different situations. Could be financial. It could be health. It could be ability, grief and loss. Right. All these things will show up. And it's what meaning can we take? Well, a leaning into discomfort, but then also what meaning can we take, and how can we use that meaning to inform our actions, inform our values, shift our values too? If maybe we're like, you know what, maybe these are a little off, right?、Mm-hmm. We can use that to achieve not only health and wellness in our lives, but also impact society. Thank you. I so appreciate this. Thank you, Ivana.